created live on Fireside. Welcome, I'm Lori Lee Binstock, and this is a Trauma Survivor Thrivers Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me live on Fireside Chat, where you can be a part of the conversation as my virtual audience. I am your host, Lori Lee Binstock. Everyone has an opportunity to ask me or our guest questions by requesting to hop on stage or sending a message in the chat box. I will try to get to you, but I do ask that everybody be respectful. Today's guest is Dana Corcoran, co-founder of the Sisterhood Against Sexual Assault, a nonprofit foundation supporting survivors and families of sexual abuse. It was created to help victims of sexual violence by providing training, learning, and awareness of sexual assault. Dana, thank you so much for joining me today. I really do appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much for having us on today. Of course. Well, first of all, could you share a little bit about um, your organization, Sisterhood Against Sexual Assault? Yes. Um, we call it SASA here in Waxhaw, North Carolina, just the abbreviated version. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a newly formed 501 nonprofit organization that has a community-centric mission to provide a safe healing space for victims and survivors of sexual assault. We carry out programs to protect people from sexual assault, promote awareness, as well as to provide education and support. And we just started the first week of January. Oh, wow. So this is very soon. Um, can you tell me what what made you guys want to start this organization? Yes. Prior to January, nobody knew about SASA. None of us had ever anticipated be, um, becoming a group of um, women or members of this group. Um, it was the probably the 5th of January. Um it was a Friday afternoon at 4 p.m. I was getting ready to leave town and I got this phone call and everybody that knows me knows I never answer the phone. Yeah. Um, but it was it was my, one of my girlfriends here in Millbridge community in Waxhaw. And it was an, it was odd that she was calling me as opposed to texting. So um, I answered the phone as I was running out the door and she had said, Dana, I'm in the hospital. I'm in Charlotte. Mm. I don't know. I'm new to the area. I don't, you know, I don't know where to turn. I just need somebody to talk to and I need somebody to pray for me. Um, And from that, she told me her story that had happened to her the week prior. So it was over the New Year's Eve holiday in the Dominican Republic. Uh, Do you, I don't know if she feels comfortable with you sharing a little bit about her story. Um, Would you be able to do that? Absolutely. Um, I'm sharing this information with our victim's approval. Um, She's also written out her story and she's in the process of going through therapy. And when she's more comfortable, I know that she's going to be her own advocate and she will, she'll be the platform that we speak on to um, talk to other victims and survivors of sexual assault. So she's on vacation with a friend in the Dominican Republic, um, just her and her friend at an all-inclusive resort. So we, you know, we travel, we think those are safer places to go Mm -hmm. to. Um, She attends the nightly organized functions, you know, the theme nights, the fun nights. 
And um, it's still broad daylight on the day of her assault. She's at the um, at the restaurant and the lounge bar area outside. And I say that because in order for her to piece her incident back together, she had remembered that it was daylight. The sun hadn't set yet. It was still early. She's enjoying a beverage. Um, and flash forward a few hours, she wakes up on the side of the road in the Dominican Republic. So based on her story, um, video surveillance, and what she can recall as time goes by, she was having a drink. She is filmed being walked out of the um, all-inclusive resort, put in a car, and a approximately four hours later, she was pushed from that moving car, landed on the um, sidewalk, which woke her up. The trauma from the from falling out of the car kind of woke her up. Mm. She um, realized she was laying in a pool of her own blood. The It was right back in front of the resort that she was taken from. Um, the resort staff came out and took her to the local, you know, makeshift hospital. They're not like our hospitals that we go to, but it was more of like a, a makeshift hospital urgent care in the Dominican Republic where um, she had realized she had been drugged, kidnapped. Obviously she was taken off the resort um, and then brutally and savagely attacked with an object, sexually attacked with an object that created approximately a 10 centimeter gash internally, which led to the need for, medical attention. So she's getting this medical attention in a, in, which is great. I mean, their job is to keep her alive. They did that. Um, but it was in a nondescript room where the, um, the people, the, you know, surgeons that were helping her were in t-shirts that were inside out. There was no gloves. There was no, it was, it was obvious. It wasn't a professional hospital. Um, she received immediately received um, blood transfusions because of the she had lost so many um, so much of her own blood that she immediately received the blood and she was allergic to it right away immediately got a rash mm. something was wrong with either the, the way it you know worked with her body or something was wrong with the blood to begin with but she needed it um, they sutured her they gave her the blood they um, they, uh, you know, the antibiotics, the everything that she needed. But as she was going along, they kept saying, well, if you want this done, you have to pay a thousand dollars. And if you want this done, you have to pay a thousand dollars. And it, they had, and this is the financial end of it was, was why I'm saying all of this is because um, the only time they had brought an interpreter that she could understand what was happening to her, it was along with the police department there, it was to explain to her that if she didn't pay this bill, in debit or cash or Venmo or, you know, money in hand, mm -hmm. she would be taken directly from this hospital to the police department and held, meaning they wouldn't let her leave unless she had paid this money. So as an aftermath, you think, okay, the assault led to the need for medical attention. So this orchestrated event from the bartender at the, at the resort who she, who, who was the only person that was near her drink besides her would have um, put something in her drink led to somebody walking her out, led to this sexual assault mm -hmm. that led to the need for um, this massive medical attention. And she had a horrific deal while she was at this medical facility. She, um, you know, she's screaming, she's in a place that nobody speaks English and, and the physician just kept telling her, 
don't scream. Our, our women here don't do that. Don't, don't act like that. Don't do that. Um, and she said, I just want to go. I just want to go home. And they said, you need to call your family and tell them where all your, you know, life documents are, where your will is, where because you, you are not going to survive this. So they gave her a phone. They let her call her teenage daughter from a different country, which invoked panic. You know, oh, my mom's hurt. She's in this. And, and then everybody started sending money to pay for the medical bills it, just to get her physically out of the country. So she, she tells them, I want to leave. I'm leaving. No, you're going into kidney failure. If you leave, you will not make the, um, the flight home. She leaves. She get they, she pays the eight thousand dollars bill she you know borrowed from her son's college fund. She borrowed from her friends. She borrowed. She exhausted her um, retirement and, and all the money that she had access to. She's a single mother of multiple children. Um, she just did what she could to survive to get out of that country. Who obviously set her up for this. Um, so she on the, she did get on a plane on the way home to Charlotte. She had got elephantitis of her legs and her face. She was going into kidney failure. She arrived at the Charlotte hospital um, and that evening had a minor um, heart attack in her sleep due to the stress. And when they did the exam on her, the doctor starts pulling out this gauze, gauze, gauze. They had packed her full of something to stop the bleeding, but you could get sepsis, bacteria infections. The doctor here even said they did not intend for you to survive this. Um, while she was there, she contacted the police department. She tried to file a complaint. She complained to the, um, the resort. It didn't go anywhere until the, the, she was getting on the plane, the U S the Dominican Republic police contacted her and said, your, your report wasn't filed with the right department. It needs to be filed with the sexual assault department. And you have to do that in person. And of course she said, not a chance. I'm getting on the plane and I'm going home. Right. Um, so this is, she, she called me that Friday and just said, I need prayers. And she started crying. And mm-hmm. just this woman was new to our neighborhood. She had relocated her family and her job. She, um, I had met her in passing at a um, neighborhood bunco party. And she had moved into the lady's house that we were really good friends with. Like it was a very superficial relationship because it was very new and because we have kids at different ages and we're we're doing a different um, path. And she didn't know that I have a history with um, that I'm a federal agent and I work for Homeland Security, which is separate obviously from SASA, but that I have a history of investigating sex crimes. So Mm. like she says, God led her to call me and act and ask just for support and support and prayers Meanwhile, being the fixer that I am, this information came in and I thought, okay, she's at the hospital. She's safe um, now that she's in Charlotte. What can we do now to help her? So um, you know, other than the Bunko group, we actually did this, uh, we, the zombies, the, we did mommies um, flash mob <laughs> over Halloween. And that's how I had met her the few weeks before Halloween. I called all this, the mommies and I said, and the, again, this is made up of people that we see at functions and um, not everyday life. And we met as a group and we said, we are going to um, work together to raise the funds to at least pay back you know, what happened to her. She shouldn't have to pay for a sexual assault 
or the um, the aftermath herself. I mean, it, it was her that was sexually assaulted. It was, it, you know, then she'll be she'll be forever reliving, being victimized and re-victimized, having to dig herself out of this hole. This is what we knew as a community we could do to help her. So from that, um, within the next three days after Sasa was born, the Sisterhood Against Sexual Assault, and um, it started off with a group of 15 of us, and now there are almost 400 of us on the private Facebook page, which anybody is welcome to. Um, within the first seven days, our community and our local um, female-owned vendors, and it was very specifically female-owned because that's the page that we had started with, was just women, um, just so we didn't share her information out too far. But the neighborhood vendors and the women at our local salons, Lucy Rose, Fabulous Finds, Bristol Lane, um, even our self-tanning lady, um, Mel, at KISS, she donated her time and her finance, you know, the business. And we we raised over $10,000 in seven days. Oh, wow. Our group of Sasa women in Waxhaw, North Carolina, the small <laughs> town that we all moved to, we, um, our local Queen South um, restaurant donated their time and they, they donated a large check and we did a basket raffle and we made sure our local vendor, um, Fabulous Finds, made our shirts within two days. It was crazy, insane, amazing how quickly it came together, all for the same cause. Um, and then later on, when we discussed sexual assault and some of the reasons why it's not reported, we can talk about how these, these women and the majority of them had never met her. They came out to function after function after function, volunteered their time, their money, um, everything that they could. And they still had never met her up until two weeks ago when I had a, a FASA gathering at the house. And we're having this, another fundraiser, this card game fundraiser. And I, I get up and I, I, I thank everybody for coming. And I said, our a sexual assault survivor that we created SASA for is here. And half the members didn't even know that. Oh, my um, so she she uh, thanked everyone, and it was a it it's amazing at this age and, and our this stage in our life that there are so many people that are supportive to other women or even any anybody that's a, a victim of sexual assault that they don't even know. You know, I can donate money on Facebook. I can say, you know, here's your fifty dollars towards your fundraiser. I think it's great, but these women were these are still donating their personal time. Um, just because they want to help her in the situation she's been in, which I agree sounds super crazy. The, the story <laughs> that she tells, the story that happened to her from start to finish is a 48-hour episode. It is something that she's 56. You know, she's not 18 on, on spring break. She wasn't somebody that's not educated, that's not, that's aloof, that's, that's out to party and, you know, go to these places and not be aware of your surroundings. It can happen to anyone at any time in any situation. Yeah. I mean, that just listening to the story, it just, it, it breaks my heart. Mm -hmm. um, but it's so inspiring how this community of women really came together for this person. Many of them didn't even know. Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, I, oh gosh, that just gives, gives me chills how beautiful that is because I feel like, you know, we need more women supporting women. And right. um, I just, wow. I can't, I, I know that you're, you're, do you, 
for your organization, I know you're talking about awareness and prevention and training, but it seems like something internationally that happened, there's there there are other things that we need to also worry about because she couldn't even file a complaint or she right. did and it was with the and then do you have any sense of of what we can tell people who are traveling overseas especially um to to be aware of certain situations and potential stories just like Dana's mm -hmm. so um I will say that from this and, and even from our very first um, fundraiser that, you know, and in their statistics, and I have the statistics on sexual assault, but there are so many people that have lived through some type of event and incident that is similar. You know, I mean, this one is, is big, but that were similar that had come up to us and said, I was in the Dominican Republic. There's another in the small community that we're in that um, they had seen somebody put something in their drink and they had reported it. And it's, and the, it goes back to everyone. It goes back to the bartender. It goes back to the, it goes back to the hotel. It goes back to the law that is not being enforced on these, um, on these residential, you know, these, these all inclusive places that we pay to go to, they're not being held accountable. So at least what we can do here is put out awareness and put out, um, travel awareness. Don't go to, and that's, that's what we're in the stages of doing now. This SASA happened so quickly at the beginning and we were so focused on fixing and helping and, and giving our survivor what she needed. Um, financial, she needed financial help. She needed trauma therapy. We have a few yeah. therapists in, in our Millbridge community alone that offered their services for free. She was, um, one of our therapists here placed her with the top trauma therapist in the area. She immediately got in, even though there was a six month wait. Um, she started her therapy right away, which I know was helpful for her. Um, and, and through that, the therapist said, you need to write down your story. And when you feel comfortable, you need to take it to the news. And when you feel more comfortable, you need to take it to the Dominican Republic. And when you feel more comfortable, you need to take it to D.C. and rally for the rights of survivors for sexual assault. And that's what our long-term goals are, including um, therapy-intensive weekend camps for survivors and their family members. These are the type of things SASA would like to fund. Um, like she has grown children. They may not want to go to therapy every week to talk about um, how, or they can't because they're not local. So we would like to fund, let's go to this family camp for three days. Let's set a platform. Let's set something we can build from and um, help us survive this. We're, she's going to, I'm going through it every day. And I wasn't mm -hmm. there. It didn't happen to me. Um, we, you know, and that's another thing with, um, awareness. We, the first thing we did was, okay, we're going to make these baskets while we're making these baskets to raffle. What can we do to make sure this doesn't happen to anybody else? We went online, we purchased the cup covers, which we have, and we give out to people. It's kind of like a sticker, but it doesn't ruin your glass. You poke your straw through it. But in her situation, that wouldn't have helped because we believe that the bartender was in on um, her being kidnapped, which is how you're doing research online and talking to other law enforcement officers. That is how they coordinate their organized crime group. There is, it goes all the way back to the bartender so that nobody, nobody, I mean, who do you think you're paying for, you know, you're, you're getting your drink from a, a bartender at a reputable place. You don't think things like that. We don't think no. things like that. Yeah. So um, we researched the, 
these drink kits where we can test your drink. It's kind of like a COVID test. You got to take your drink out, put it in there. Uh, we researched the, there was two um, college kids from North Carolina, actually, that started this nail polish that if you dunked your nail polish in the drink, it would change colors if it had something in it. We couldn't find any more information on that. Maybe it's not going on anymore. Um, there has to be a, an easier way. I mean, we shouldn't have to protect ourselves from our own drinks, but there has to be a way that we can do that. Um, so our short-term goals were to help our survivor. Our long-term goals is the therapy. And we have, um, I asked her, oh, actually, you know, when she came back and we had started SASA, we set up a meal train, which was immediately packed for two months. So people came and they left food at her door. We started a GoFundMe. We did these fundraisers, but I didn't go over to her house. I didn't sit down with her because I knew other people were doing that. I knew she had to go through these steps on her own. I didn't want to interview her. I didn't want to, you know, crack the case. And I didn't want to do that to her because that's not what she needed then. I waited a week and then I'd taken over a package for her with pajamas and some things that were donated from the neighborhood. And through my conversation with her, I just, I noticed her like lean down and like pick at her toes. And I was like, what are you doing? And she <laughs> said, well, I guess I won't be getting um, a white pedicure ever again. And I noticed that even a week later, her pedicure was stained with her own blood. Oh, it, she had been drug, you know, she had been pushed out of the car, you know, the thick gel, it, it scraped and the yep. blood got caked in there so much that, um, it, and I, I was like, oh my gosh, it was an awakening for me to watch this happen to her. So from that, we asked her, what can we do as a group to help other victims and survivors of sexual assault when this happens to them? What did you need in that hospital, which she needed everything? She had gotten sick, vomited in her own bed, and they said, just cover it up and roll over. And so she had been throwing up from this medication and, the, and she had to essentially lay in her own vomit. And so that's not, hopefully that doesn't happen in U S hospitals here, but um, what can we do here for victims of sexual assault when they leave the, um, or when they're at the hospitals getting their exams and our, one of our co-founders, Jessica, she reached out to the emergency room in Mecklenburg um, Charlotte and um, our local emergency room here off of Providence Road, along with the information that our survivor, Angie, um, gave us, she said, you know, I could have really used a piece of gum. I could have really used mouthwash. I could have used um, a set of clothes. You know, you're, she left in the bloody dress that she was laying in for three days. But here in the U.S., they would leave in Oh, you know, like a hospital gown. Right. What's more re-victimizing than sitting at a stoplight or having to get in the car with your mom or your dad in a hospital gown when you have to go to the hospital to when you have to go to the um, CVS to get your medicines or or whatever needs to be done? So we made a list of things that people needed when they leave the ER post examination and evidence collection without feeling re-victimized and. We had these kits donated from everyone in the neighborhood. Um, you know, the kits you travel with, like the shampoo and the mm -hmm. body wash. We went to Five and Below. We bought pants and underwear and face cloths. Like she said, I wish I could just have wiped the blood off my face yeah. because people were staring at me. Um, hair ties, you know, just do just basic items that you need, basic items. We bought bags, nondescript bags, and we packed them. 
And each bag for us cost us approximately $20 to make, which is great, but which is, which is reasonable for everything that was in it. But when we went to the hospital and they said, we have, we're in need of this, you know, there's a few programs around here that do this. They donate bulk certain items, but there's nothing we can give them as a bag, which is where the um, emergency room care package program came from through SASA. It, but there were 300 um, sexual assault kits that were done in the emergency rooms in Charlotte area in one year. So times that by $20, that's a lot coming from a brand new nonprofit foundation. Um, but we, once we heard that, we're like, all right, well, we're going to have to front the money for this because we want to make sure that everyone that goes into that hospital comes out with something. So we're still in the process of making those. Um, and I'm sorry, you said awareness with the international. We So she's gotten to a point where um, we're posting travel advisories. Um, we're, our entire um, group is posting information on, you know, like a travel um, heads up, if you will. Like, and people like my girlfriend paid uh, or my girlfriend texted me the other day and said, hey, my, my daughter's got a lot of friends on spring break. They're going to Dominican Republic. What was the name of that resort again? And these are I people. I want to know too. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't, I, and I don't know how that works. I, I'm gonna, I can, I can send it to you. I can attach it. I know it was um, a, in the Dominican Republic in Putacana, and it was Chicks Resort. But it's happening at all the resorts. It's something similar is happening. I mean, when you have mass people going to vacation, you know, there's, there's even cruise lines. There's things that, um, that. Oh, sorry, my husband. Everybody's texting me because they're listening. <laughs> um, so there's. Uh, it's bad things happen everywhere, but when something of this enormously, like this, this is huge. This, and and this goes back to why we want, one of our long-term goals is to do early education to both male and females, but in the schools, do early education. It's obvious that this sexual assault is going to traumatize her and her family forever, but one sec incident of sexual assault can do the exact same one molestation at a party or, or one college party where somebody, you know, is passed out. And the guy thinks, Oh, this is, she said yes earlier. And now she's passed yeah. out. This is what's going to happen. They have to realize that, you know, their fun time hookup at, at this party that they thought she, she was um, consensual to will lead to a lifetime of unresolved trauma, if not discussed or if not prevented so that's, um, and, and obviously that's a long-term goal. We're, we're eight weeks into this and we've already started the foundation. We have, we're, we have insurance and we have bank accounts and we have all these things. And um, it's just amazing what, what these amazing. ladies have done. I mean, it's amazing. You're doing so much and you're here talking about it and spreading awareness. And, and I think that's wonderful. Um, do you think that there's anything that, we should be like, do you think they were targeting you? So, so based on the internet research and um, of the Dominican Republic or Mexico or anywhere where you travel specifically to this type of crime, they're targeting older men and women and, and statistically um, for the international crimes, the men, because she felt comfortable reaching out to her friend group. I don't know that if it happened to my husband or somebody that if the exact same situation, but of a male in her situation would even admit that this happened to them. So they're hoping that, you know, they, and she, her fight or flight was, 
I want to report it and I want to get home to my children. So she left knowing that that was her decision. And then we have to go back and fight it. Um, I would think in a similar situation, a male victim would be less, um, you know, receptive to reaching out. And, and again, I pulled the statistics of men versus female victims. And it, in one of the common reasons people don't report it is, um, sadly, it's a common phenomenon. It's the victim blaming. And when she told me this story, I mean, I literally typed it up as she was saying it. And I sent it to our, our zombie group. And I said, I said, this is not a joke. This is not, that's the first thing I had to say was this is for real because it sounds like it was written by, you know, James Patterson and this is going to be the next movie. And because of every stage that she went through, it just got more horrific. So based on the research on the internet was, you know, they, they, they knew that she had come with a companion, but they weren't, they were friends. They weren't together. They were in separate rooms. She, he, he went to bed early every night and she'd stayed out there. They, they found her, they watched her, they waited a few days and they knew, um, they know they come there for seven days, five days, whatever the minimum night is. And they wait until it's the end. And then the assault happens. Um, and they, and it's people that have access to money. You know, my 18 year old goes to spring break. She might have my credit card on her phone, but she doesn't have a way to get $8,000 in cash. So they assault people that um, look like they have money, older women that would have access to money. Um, And I, I, know I'm in my forties, but I couldn't imagine at 56 this happening or any level of a sexual assault happening. But you, you know, you don't, you you go in college and your mom warns you, you know, don't look, look around before you get out the gas station. You don't do that at 56. 57, 47, whatever right. the age is, you don't, you're constantly not looking over your shoulder because I'm not in high demand, you know, no, I mean, what, yeah. and that wasn't, that wasn't the case. The case wasn't, I want to sexually assault you. The case was this sexual assault is going to happen because you're going to pay the money. That's and that's how she, that's what she feels happens. They, the, the way that the bills were given to her individually, it was like people were getting paid for different things. Um, it was, it's, She's lived, she lived through the worst situation that anybody, and in a different country where you're, and you're told you're not going to survive it. And um, so when you come back and you tell this crazy story, who's going to believe you? And that's a common reason why people don't report sexual assault and then victim blaming. And she even said, when I talked to her, I'm not blaming myself for what I wore. I'm not blaming myself because, you know, I keep myself together. I'm not... And that's great. And and I'm glad that she can do that because it, it was horrific and nobody, you know, nobody asked to be sexually assaulted. And we have to remind our children, our, our girls and our boys that, that at any point in any situation, regardless of what was happening leading up to it, when, when you don't want something to happen, it shouldn't happen. Right. Right. And, and, you know, many of us go out on our own mm-hmm. and, and that's scary that we have to really be on the lookout for I mean even even here stateside mm-hmm. you know anything could happen bartender could easily put something in our drink mm-hmm. is there is there anything that we should be aware of as far as that goes when we're going out on our own say, well yeah going out on your own yeah um <laughs> don't go out on your own but um <laughs> you know uh this this came up too when we were discussing it one of our members had went to one of the um the Charlotte uh, bars and had realized something was off 
And immediately when she realized, because you know what you can drink and what you can't drink as a grown up. And when you immediately, when she realized something didn't feel right, she called somebody and they go, man, you're slurring. Like something's wrong with you. You seem really out of it. And she said, I think something happened to me. And they came and picked her up. So just be aware. And, you know, I saw one of those commercials on TikTok the other day and it was what, you know, do you do a hand signal? Nobody knows those. Do you do, um, what should we do as Sasa? Maybe we should come, come up with a word or come up with a name that if you go to the bartender and you say, you, you know, you can say, I think I've been drugged, they'll take care of you. But if you're not comfortable in saying that, or somebody's following you or, um, stalking you, assaulting you, verbally assaulting you, or being aggressive, maybe there's something you we can come up with that they can say to the to a bartender or a bar owner or a um, receptionist that, that will get the attention that they need. So maybe that's something we can come up with. Always having an out, always having your phone location on now that we have those. You know, we yeah. back in my bar days, we didn't have those. Um, <laughs> but it's and so I'm just looking over the stats now to make sure we tie. Why do, why are people not reporting their abusers because they're yeah. afraid of not being believed? Um, uh, nine times out of 10, it's a family member or somebody, you know, you have somebody that has access to you. Um, the majority of sexual assaults are not reported. Only 310 out of every thousand sexual assaults are reported to police, meaning two out of three go unreported. Um, it's just, we need to make sure that our youth, our middle-aged, our older, every stage of Everyone. your life, you know who to contact. Um, we have a very good uh, North Carolina organized company called Rain Rape, Abuse, and Incest National mm-hmm. Network. So it's a national network that has a hotline. Um, I'm, I've sent you everything. We can attach it or whatever's needed. Yep, I can. Um, all, I can absolutely put that in the show notes. Okay. Obviously, if you're in immediate danger, call 911. Tell them where you're at. Let them know what's happening. I would rather my daughter or myself call every time I thought something was happening than not. Um, we as DASA are non-law enforcement. We are just a nonprofit organization. Um, maybe like a middleman, a conduit that's a happy face where you can come to me and say, hey, I think this happened. Um, what should I do? We have all the resources and, and pamphlets you need that we can send to you or uh, we've had people in the neighborhood say my daughter was raped many many years ago um i just kind of need it i kind of need this you know i i need a i need a home for my sadness and that's what we're for we just we have volunteers that can come meet with you we we don't hand out legal advice we don't um we don't do anything like that we're just the middleman that that can help you feel better about reporting your situation and we can help with fundraising, um, any type of support that's needed. Well, how could, um, if someone wanted to donate their time, donate money, um, where should they go? So we have a Facebook page. It's a private page. You can, we accept everyone that's, we've had a few people come in that were not legit. So they obviously were not accepted, but it's, um, the sisterhood against sexual assault. We do have a public page, but it's as much as we're dealing with right now, like our private page is where we're asking for volunteers and all of our events are on there. We have a homepage, SASA, S-A-S-A, and then our zip code, 28173.org. Um, our Venmo is SASA, 28173. And in the 28173 is the zip code that we're in. 
Um, mm. And FASA was already taken. So we just added the zip code, which I think was in the long term was a good idea. We've already had two different states reach out to us to open their own SASAs with their zip codes because there is not enough awareness of sexual assault. People don't want to talk about it. People don't want to hear about it. People need to talk about it and people need to hear about it um, because it is, it, I mean, obvious reasons, this entire podcast, it affects everyone. And um, we have an Instagram, SASA28173. Our Venmo is SASA28173. We have a GoFundMe. Um, you can find us where if we're on, we're online now, you know, we're, we're figuring everything out and we would love new members. We would love um, organizations, companies that, to donate pants or any of these toiletry items. Uh, we have an upcoming 5k that we're, so sexual assault awareness month is in April. Mm-hmm. And I went on and I Googled, you know, what can we do? And um, I didn't find anything, which was horrible. So, um, that is we, where you come in. Yeah. So we kept <laughs> in. We started our own. We um we're doing a fundraiser egg my yard where um our beta club at the middle school asked us to come in. I did a I gave a speech, which five or six little girls, you know, middle schoolers walked up to me afterwards. How can I become a member? How can I do more volunteer work? And it wow. it'll give them so my my daughter who's in middle school is gonna start the little sisters of Sasa. And, oh, I love yeah, that. right. <laughs> So it's and um and we go by SASA too, so that our banners and our our postings don't say sexual assault. You don't want that in your front yard, but you know what the fundraisers are for. You don't have to explain it like that to your third grader or your you know five year old. You just explain that. And I did this to my nine year old last night. I asked him what he because he was praying and he said I pray for SASA and I'm I'm, la- I'm giggling at him and I'm like do you even know what that means? He said well I did a high and low in my in my third grade class. And I told him that my high was that I got to help my mom move our flock for Sasa, which is these, these um, flamingos we move from yard to yard as, as a fundraiser. And you kind of, you flock your neighbor and the, all these flamingos show up. It's very obnoxious and fun. Oh, that's and, so cute. Yeah. So, and he that loves really it. Cute. We, we go out at night, we do it. And um, it's been well received in the neighborhood, but he, I asked him and he's, he knows what it is. I talk about it in front of him. I, I, I do that with all my children anyway because of my um, work. But he said, it's when somebody hurts somebody. And I said, yes. So we're saving people. And he said, yeah. And so th- that he has a better understanding, which isn't going to be traumatizing to him, is we're just helping people of assault. Um, it just so happens it's sexually oriented. It w- it's well-received middle school, high school. They've asked us to come out and talk. They are, the beta club is going to assist us with the 5K, which is April 22nd in Millbridge community here in Waxhaw. Um, it's a 5K fun run. We have face painters and um, vendors and ice cream and a DJ and all kinds of um, fun stuff for us, but to raise awareness of sexual assault and to have our survivor be a part of that, who is an avid um, bicyclist and in, in immaculate shape. And she, and I thought she was going to run it. And she said, Oh no, I can't wait to just volunteer and, and watch it around me. So she, she is getting what Sasa is, was hoping people would get, you know, she's being, she's being wrapped up in our blanket real tight. <laughs> oh, I love that. This has just been such a beautiful story for you to just inspiring to help this, the sister, this community member. I, I, I mean, I'm, I think in listening to this, I feel like 
you know, a lot of people will probably want to rise up and and help Mm -hmm. out. And so thank you for the amazing work that you're doing. Um, Is there anything else that you would like to add? Um, I, I'm pretty sure I covered everything. We also do fun <laughs> things like other than our fundraisers, we have, uh, well, fun. I think they're fun. We did a self-defense <laughs> class with yeah. um, our local police officers, um, gave us who they use. And we went to his, um, dojo and it was, it was ground fighting, but we did, we had a, a senior and we had a few middle schoolers in there and, and our senior actually asked a lot of the questions and she was so petite and she said, what do I do if I get, you know, grabbed from behind? And we, we went over how she gets out of that situation until she could do it, which I think will help her when she goes to college. And um, we, we, we have goat yoga. So these are things we <laughs> set up for our survivor. Um, it's not a fun, we call it not a fundraiser, just fun. We're doing sunset kayak tours at Cane Creek Park, like something just for us to kind of meditate and relax as a group. That's a non fundraiser, but it's just find us on social media and um, we're all new to this. So if if you have anybody in your you know world that would like to donate or it, or teach us how to be a better nonprofit foundation, we are all ears. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, Dana, thank you so much for joining me again today. I really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you, guys. That was Dana Corcoran, co-founder of the Sisterhood Against Sexual Assault, or SASA. For more information on SASA, you can actually click on that scrolling fortune cookie right there in the middle of your screen. That'll take you to their website. And you can check out Authentic Insider Magazine. Um, March's issue is out. You can check that out at traumasurvivorthriver.com. That's traumasurvivorthriver.com. April's issue comes out next week, and you'll be able to read the story of the woman who Dana and so many others rallied around to create sasa and you'll actually be able to read it in her own words so if you haven't already please subscribe to my email list to get authentic insider magazine in your inbox monthly thank you so much for joining me today we will be taking a break for the next two weeks i will actually be getting surgery on my acl but i will be coming back strong april 12th when i speak with andrew daniel he's the award-winning author of awaken to your true self and the founder of the cinosomatics and director at the Center for Cinesomatic Development. We'll be discussing how cinesomatics could provide decades of healing in just one day. You've been listening to a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast on Fireside. I'm Lori Lee Binstock. Take care.